I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a new episode of Tom Lucy Plus One. Uh, my name is Tom Lucy. I'm a comedian. I'm 21 years old. And um, this is going to be the last episode of Series One of this podcast. It's been amazing, the guests we've had over the last couple of months. But we're going to have a break uh, for a bit, and I'll work on sorting out some new guests. And then we'll be back in a couple of months. But um, what an amazing final guest we've got for this series i'm talking to the brilliant 
comedian and uh, my good friend Joe Lysett. Um, we had planned to record this inside an office, but it was so hot outside that we actually we ended up sort of going and sitting underneath a tree in Primrose Hill and we had a picnic and we chatted. So excuse some of the E.T. noises at the beginning, but um, it's a great chat and I love Joe. So here it is, my chat with the brilliant Joe Lysett. How were those three shows at Hammersmith? Mad. Must have been. I am... Um, have you played the Hammersmith? No. It's, um, it's, it's like so a re- big. It's a real kind of like bucket list thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's... I, I did it... The first time I did it was supporting Jack Whitehall, funnily enough. Mm. And um, that, sort of nothing really that? prepares you for the scale of the thing. That must have been... Six so years, seven years ago. Yeah. And I loved it. Like, it's so big. But I, but I always, whenever I've been to watch things there, I always think it's much smaller than you imagine it will be. Yeah, that is true. Like you, I can. I know it's got like that history and that pedigree, but you know, it, it's not. You it's know, not an arena, yeah. It's not like... There's other theatres that are bigger, aren't there? It's just mm. got that history, isn't it? Mm. And it's so good for comedy. Yeah. It's so... Um, they're so close. Mm. And we filmed the shows. And the last time I filmed um, a full show, I felt it was so... Because it was the first one, it was so stressful and so new. Mm. And there was all these people working for me essentially on one day and I was like I, don't, I sort of can't cope with all the pressure of this because it's it's just you yeah because you, you kind of feel like you just feel like a dickhead having that many people working for you yeah just to like <laughs> Some for my show like yeah. I, I, just, I find all of that really but then you realise that it's just a job to them and you know, they'll do a different thing the next day and whatever you sort of get over it eventually yeah but um it was such a wall of new experiences, the first one that I did. So I was sort of a, a bit more prepped mentally for it. And I went into this sort of quite a zen headspace where I just didn't really... I felt a bit nervous, but I didn't get the nerves that kind of tip over into I might shit myself. It was yeah. just like, OK, here we are. And did then you I film just, more than one night? We filmed two nights, yeah. So I had the first night, which was just, just for me, yeah. and then two nights filmed. Oh, okay, so you had one night of just getting used to it. Yeah, so it's three in total there. It's just mad. To do three shows there, I just couldn't really get my head around. So if you're filming it, do you have to kind of make sure that you really stick to the script and not come off it too much? And Yeah, to some degree, because um, my show's quite problematic legally. <laughs> Why? Because I take on some banks. Okay. And also Tom Daly. Um, <laughs> You're not a fan of Tom Daly? No, I am a fan of Tom Daly, but he's made some dubious decisions. Yeah. Um, which I point out in the show. And so you have to be very careful about... You just have to say lots of, like, I think, and yeah. in my opinion, allegedly, all of that stuff. Yeah. But you wouldn't say that, you wouldn't write stand-up with that in mind. <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> um, 
I found all of that quite tedious and it made me a bit sad about the state of free speech because I do understand that you have, there have to be protections in place so that people aren't libelled and you can't sort of bully someone and all of that. Like I get, I, I, I totally get all of that. But some of it is so petty. Yeah. And you just think, really, are they going to sue for that? Because like, I take on Barclays and RBS and you think, I, I just don't think it would be good PR for Barclays to sue a comedian for criticising <laughs> Barclays. Like, I just don't think they would ever do it. Yeah. But the lawyers need to know that if you were to be sued, that they would have a case. Is this lawyers for the um, the DVD people? Or? Yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, everything has to be checked legally. But essentially, the buck stops with me, so I could just go, let's not have the lawyers and let's just put the thing out and just see if we get sued. Yeah. But that's... I've been advised against that. Because Can they legitimately, I'll, I'll, like... Has that happened to people before where they've been sued? Never, I don't think no. it has. Well, I don't know, maybe it has. You, I've Somebody not told me it. yesterday that Craig Ferguson, the Scottish-American um, mm. talk show host, um, sued Jerry, Jerry Sadowitz one year because he put in the brochure for Edinburgh, Craig Ferguson has ripped off my axe. And that was his blurb for his show. Right. So then he countersued him or something. Or he didn't countersue him, he sued him. Really? And got all the money from that Edinburgh show. Oh, my God. Quite funny, really. That's hilarious. You would have hoped that they'd worked it out over um, you know, a coffee, an elephant and bagel. <laughs> but um, <laughs> That seems quite um, extreme mm. to sue someone for that. So there's a lot of that with this show. And we had to come up with contingencies in case the lawyers weren't happy with certain terms. And so do they? Do they? Do the lawyers come to a show in the weeks up to it and watch it? We, or? we film like a grainy one of one of the other shows, and they watch it. And they watch it, and then they go, "Well, this is problematic." Are they quite serious? Yeah, and a lot of the time <laughs> they're giving you a sentence when you wrote a joke, and you think, "Come on." Yeah. Like, yeah, I could say Tom Daly is a diver and leave it at that, but. That's yeah. not funny, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I did this um, interview the other day for Surrey Life magazine, because that's something from Guildford. So uh, I, I, I spoke on the phone to this woman, the journalist. It was all done over the phone. Mm. And then it came out about three days ago, and I read it, and it's just... my The gist of what I was saying is the same, but all the words have been changed. Yeah, it's weird, that, when you read your, your what you've said back, and you go... I didn't say that, did they've, I, really? I, I get that they've tried to clean it up a bit and make it so there's less sort of pausing and umming. Yeah. But it just makes me sound like a bit of a dick, because... I, 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 I think you always feel like you sound like a dick in an interview. Yeah. Because one of the questions was like, oh, you've had, a, you've, had a, you've had a good year since last Edinburgh, and then my response in the interview was, yes, I've had a very good year. Yeah. <laughs> it's obviously not what I said, but yeah. it just, I read it and think, oh, God, I sound like a... I sound yes, like I've had a arm. very good year. <laughs> That's what Probably said. the best year in humanity anyone's ever had. And then it said, how was Edinburgh last year? And it, and it said, yeah, I went down a storm. But I obviously never said that. She's just cleaned it up. Yeah. Yeah, no, that is... Particularly when, yeah, you're made to sound sort of more... Yeah. ...cocksure than you are. Yeah. That is, yeah. I always sort of go into those interviews... I, I do love an interview where it sort of starts with, like, I meet Lysit on the corner of it you know like <laughs> yeah, I love like those where it like f- makes you sound like you're really profound. Joe Lysett is sipping a coffee yeah yeah <laughs> I meet him outside Pret-a-Manger <laughs> the, the chair is strapped to the table because people steal the chairs at Pret-a-Manger 
Lysit quips about it. That's the kind of style Lysit has. I, I always wonder what those are like to do when you know that they're writing about every detail of what you're doing. Yeah. When it was, say, like, Lysit looks to the left nervously. Yeah, yeah. It must be so stressful when you know that they're writing like that. Well, yeah, because it, everything's observed. Everything is being it? observed. But then you just hope that they'll be nice about it, but sometimes people... Do you get really to read them before it. they're published? Yeah, not normally, they don't. So you've got no like, input in... Uh, some I feel like sometimes I give it's not like standard practice is it to give if you're going to interview someone yeah, you give you're like, is it, are you happy with this yeah, yeah. Uh, impartial view that I have on you like <laughs> sure yeah we're, we're recording aren't we yeah just because I'm, I'm aware that I'm eating that's well, fine so for the benefit of the listeners we're having a picnic in Primrose Hill I know it's very posh isn't it and um, we I've just went to some, Whole Foods as we well we just went to Whole Foods but didn't buy one thing we just looked we around we went to Pret in the end we were going to buy some tart juice, but we decided against it. But I feel like eating in a formal interview setting is rude. People find that annoying, don't they? Well, I remember listening to um, the Russell Brand Comcom part. He's, he's eating. eating at yeah. the start of it. And I felt like it might have been a power play. Like I don't really care. Yeah, like I'm eating. I've not, I, I'm not invested in this. Yeah. I don't know if that... I don't think it was <laughs> Is that what you're trying to give across here? No, I'm just hungry. <laughs> But I think eating... I've heard someone's written some stand-up about eating. Is it Tignataro? No, it's not Tignataro. Somebody's written some stand-up about eating and how if you're eating, that means... If the person you're trying to argue with is eating, you've lost the argument. Yeah. Because they don't care because they're funny. eating. That's funny, yeah, yeah. Might be Catherine. That's really good. Somebody's written about it because they, they... I think it was Catherine Ryan. There was, so I was the other day... My, I've got this friend who's really obsessed, really obsessed with Brad Pitt for some reason. He's, he wants to be an actor, and he's, his favourite actor is Brad Pitt. And he made this point that I've never really realised, that Brad Pitt's always eating in films. Yeah. He's constantly eating. Like, you know those Ocean's 11, 12 ones? He's always eating bagels and, and trying to talk whilst eating stuff. There is something really cool about it, isn't there? Yeah. Somebody eats. He's got, like, a brown paper bag, and he's got a croissant in it. Yeah, it feels exotic, doesn't it? Yeah. And then, you, a brown paper bag. and then you try and do that in public and people think you're a prick. I very rarely eat in public and yet I'm a lot fatter than he is. How does that happen? <laughs> Maybe he only allows himself to eat on sets, on screen. Yeah, that's when he eats. So like all the time when he's not... Ian Moore, the comedian, got very angry at me once for eating and walking down the street. That's interesting. And he he, said, some people hate that, don't they? And he said, they? a gentleman doesn't eat and walk. Mm. Which I can't... To be honest, when I see other people doing it, I do think, why are you eating and walking down the high street? But mm. I just think it looks... On the tube is another one that really... There are certain things, that, certain times, though, when like, you just got to cram it in, haven't you? And there's certain products like a Greg's sausage roll. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going like, to buy that and then sit in Greg's. And I'm yeah. not also going to like, find a bench to have it on. I'm having I it. That's more depressing to eat that on a bench, isn't it? Yeah. A Greg sausage roll is, is coming with you. How often do you find Greg sausage rolls? Quite often these Didn't you days. have a bit about that in the, in actually, the clothes yeah. shop? Yeah, yeah. An old bit of stand-up, yeah. Yeah. I love them. <laughs> They're so good. They're so... Um, the, 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 the meat is so juicy, and it's obviously, like, not even pig and probably yeah. anus. But... They're just so delicious. Whatever they're doing, I'm into it. 
<laughs> Lloyd Griffin got me into Greg's. I seem to have lived like <laughs> till about the age of seventeen without really ever encountering. And then I, we were we were going. How old are you now? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. But about five years, four or five years ago, I was in the car with Lloyd, and, and he, we went to this Greg's, and it was sort of like opened my eyes to Greg's. Yeah, yeah. Because he's like a big. I mean, you know Lloyd. He's a big. Um, he's a big Greg's guy. What's his favourite thing in a Greg's? Do you know? Is it the sausage? Roll? I think it's the steak slice. Oh, uh, a steak bake. Steak bake. That's what it's called. Yeah. Steak slice. You've, you've lived in West London for too long, darling. <laughs> Excuse me, young man. <laughs> Could I purchase a steak slice? <laughs> yeah, I never really um, found them. No, there aren't many in West London. No, they don't read. They get when, whenever they open like a shit chain rest, anything in West London, people petition and it gets shut down. Yeah, they opened a McDonald's down the road and it got shut down. People just fuck. Isn't that interesting? Because, like, the reason West London is sort of uh, probably thrives as it does is that, like, the people... I feel like the people that sort of live in West London generally probably work for big companies and benefit from big business. Yeah. If you worked for, like, the council, you probably can't earn enough to live in West London, really. Yeah. Or own property in West London. Yeah. So you are sort of the... They just don't want to Your see whole, it around them. They just don't want to see it around them, that's <laughs> it. Because yeah. it sort of suggests poor people, doesn't it, really? Like, oh, they've opened a, a Bella Italia. That's <laughs> Poor people eat Bella Italia. I don't like Bella Italia. I don't think I've ever been in a Bella Italia. Jamie's Italian's bad as well. Jamie's Italian's bad because they don't, uh, at least the last time I checked, they don't give the tips uh, that the staff take to the staff. Some of it goes when back to the business. When did you last check that? There was an article I read about oh, it. I thought you were sort of checking all the restaurants. Well, no, I, uh, they opened an ivory, ivy brasserie in Birmingham and they invited me to their um, fancy launch. Yeah. And I hate things like that anyway. But um, I tweeted them because the ivy are one company that have been exposed for doing this where they basically they pool up all of the tips. Yeah. And then some of it goes back to the staff, but some of it gets absorbed into the business and it's all just a bit bollocks basically <laughs> and so I just tweeted them saying like thanks for the night. invite last night but I was having a kebab Have, <laughs> are you paying your staff properly and then linked the article but because I was reply? researching into it um, no of course not because um, I was researching into it it's, they, they do it um, Coat Brasserie was a really big one that, was, that got quite big in the yeah. BBC News were um did a whole thing on them doing this and it's just so low like it's such a um, I know that it's really hard to run <clears throat> a restaurant and the overheads are massive and you know the margins are pretty slim but if you're taking tips away from your staff yeah. you're probably on minimum wage or not much more you, you've got to have a look at your staff yeah. haven't you you've got to be like I'm, I'm, is this cool I would have thought there might be a law against that is there no sort of official no, because it's sort of murky anyway. Because like tips, a lot of people do really well out of tips. And what about America? They, they how, to, how do you feel about? Do you, have you been out in America? Much yeah, they the get tip loads, don't they? There, I find but, that really stressful though, because I don't know. I don't know what, don't know what I'm the, supposed to be doing. Yeah, I suppose when once you've been there for a while, you get used to it. Um, and I don't actually know what because it depends on which city you're in as well. Doesn't yeah. it? Some cities 
but so it's it, there's this weird thing where like there are some companies a lot of restaurant companies like chain companies you'll work just like on the floor and you'll earn minimum wage but actually you'll top that up with quite a lot of tips yeah and that will be a really good income after all well not really good income but like a lot better than it looks on paper and then if you get up into like middle management stage your income goes up officially a little bit but actually it drops because you're not getting the tips because you're not on the floor anymore so right. there's this sort of weird thing where like actually the people that are working in the restaurants often get paid more than the manager right. because they're picking up more in tips yeah so I think a lot of these policies come through because managers are pissed off that they're not getting paid as much as their staff I imagine so they go like oh well let's all just pull that in together and all that you know like I imagine all the chefs don't get a tip do they and all of that stuff which and there's some fairness involved there I'm sure yeah um, you're not going to go into the kitchen and hand the chef a fiver are you no that's a good point actually but you because you presume when you go to a restaurant that everyone's being paid properly and then if you've had really good service then a tip is do you ever get because I know you a lot of um, you, like you said, when you tweeted the Ivy, have you ever? Because you do a lot of that sort of like bashing of companies. Have you yeah. ever got in like trouble for doing that? Yeah, I feel like I have. What's the worst thing? Has a company ever like really hit back? Well, we. So there's, I'm I'm taking this to new levels now because Channel Four have commissioned a series of me doing this basically. Yeah. So it's that's starting next year, and I'm really excited about it. But we got in quite a lot of trouble. Well, not in trouble, but they tried to get us in trouble in the pilot. And I'm not sure how much I can say legally. So um, <clears throat> it's a it's a holiday company okay. that we picked on. It's yeah. not really a holiday company. They, they It's a, a company where you can rent property okay. um, for a holiday, <laughs> perhaps. Okay. It's sort of like a bed and breakfast. Oh, okay. But not on the ground, it's in the sky. Oh, I see. Okay, I've heard about this. Some of them. Mm. Uh, right, so you sort so of... So we, we took on them because they um, <clears throat> they just do loads of... They, they just let loads of stuff slip, basically. And um, we found that, like, Ellie Golding's house was listed on this no service. And they were like, oh, well, we can't control people pretending to own properties or whatever we have protocols in place or whatever and we're like well no you yeah, obviously yeah. don't because Ellie Golding's house is on there what as in she'd put it on or someone else put no it on? someone else had put Ellie Golding's house on was trying to rent it off that's hilarious and loads of massive properties in London um, so we yeah because that was their policy we were like okay well we'll put your offices on your service and, yeah. see, see, and send people in yeah. for a holiday and stuff and they claimed that we'd been really threatening. Did that work? We did, actually, because in the end they gave back quite a lot of money to um, a guy that had lost a lot of money on the service. So, really? So we kind of, we achieved our goal. And that, that was one of, the, I think, one of the reasons we got the whole series, because then the pilot we, we managed to nail down a company, basically. <laughs> so, but, but it got kind of choppy because they were sort of... Yeah. They, they get threatening, don't they? You know, it's, they, don't, they don't want, they don't know what it is, but they don't... They, they want to kind of kill the thing dead. Have you seen that um, Sasha Baron Cohen thing? Yeah, I've, well, I've watched some of it. I've not didn't watch the whole of the first episode because I caught it late. But yeah, I felt like he was a bit weird with the. I didn't see who the art lady was. Who what? Who is she? I like, don't think his... she's famous. I think she's just an art dealer. Right. 
that he met in America somewhere. Because she was, I thought she came across really well. She was quite nice. She was just like up for anything. Yeah. Um, she I plucked one I, of her pubes out. Didn't yeah, I, th- I thought all of that was really fun. I thought that was, was yeah. great. I didn't have, I, I didn't really have a problem with her. I didn't really understand what his issue was with her because, like, often what he's so good at is sort of, oh what yeah 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 like, like the, thing, the bit afterwards where all the politicians are advocating giving guns to children yeah. is an amazing scoop like what an yeah what a terrifying but hilarious thing they're to all do. sort of coming out now and, and sort of apologising and yeah well, they, they Sarah should. Palin is apologising before her episodes even aired yeah yeah so it must be good her one yeah yeah if you apologise before it's happened yeah <laughs> yeah I can't wait for that but yeah sort of it's a weird one because it it's tanked in the ratings. So Has it? It's done really badly. The, like the, the first episode got something like 600,000 in the UK, which is lower than the slot normally gets. Yeah. And it got like half that in America. Really? On like a network. Yeah, weird. <laughs> would you ever you would do have thought one he's those... really popular, wouldn't you? Would you ever do one of those, like where you dress up, and, rather than pranking people on email and stuff, would you ever like... Well, so I doorstepped do this company that I was talking about before. Yeah. The, um, uh, yeah. And uh, they didn't let me in the building. And I found it really hard. I felt like it was, that was kind of out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And one of the things, the other things we did in that pilot is we, um, to protest against National Rail charging for toilets, which they're going to stop. But they said, oh, we're going to stop it next year. Yeah. And you think, why? Like, how hard is it to turn off a turnstile? <laughs> So, um, so uh, I took a portaloo to Euston Station, yeah, and then erected it outside and just shouted free wheeze basically, <laughs> and interviewed people around there, and that was really good fun, like that, that sort of thing. Did they get involved? The National Rail people? After well, they that? asked us to leave. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they said, well, they, and then, like I had this massive portaloo thing that I like yeah. dragged in on this like yeah. plinth. Did people use it? No. I, th- I think again, li- like I think if you saw someone that. shouting free wheeze, you wouldn't go in and have a wee, would you? No, you wouldn't. You'd, no. you'd, think, you'd think something bad was going to happen. Yeah, I think I think actually I think we were allowed to let people use it, but we just decided not to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this dude, this quite limp man from Network Rail, came out and said like, "You've got you've got to take this away." And I'm like, I was like, "I'm not touching that. It stinks." Like, you know, <laughs> being really silly with him. Um, <laughs> So we've done some, yeah. Yeah. For that pilot, is we've done some. But really you wouldn't fun do, stuff. you wouldn't do like a proper dress up. Prank I don't thing. think so because I'm not, I'm not a character comic. I'm not an actor, and I think. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think um, you'd be really good though. I potentially. Dressed but up I often as like in, a, a sort of waiter at a restaurant or something. The, the thing with the emails and like being a prick over a, from a distance is that I can kind of think about it and. Yeah. Um, I can go. I can consider my response. Mm. I, in the moment, I'd end up feeling sorry for the person I was picking on. I think, <laughs> and and go like, "Oh, you're just an employee of this bigger company." Yeah. Rather than. Yeah, yeah. Those email things. Do do you? I mean, without wishing to like, sort of ruin the uh, mystique of it, but do, are they sort of slightly f- fabricated, or are they in completely? Well, so th- they're. Um, they're altered because you have to alter certain things. One, like, often they kind of end in nothing or they... Yeah. So um, you have to, like, trim stuff out of them. 
and sometimes just for kind of um, what's the word uh, artistic license I suppose you'll like embellish certain bits whatever mm. but generally they're pretty pretty true to life really um, and like this new show that I'm doing that's why it's been so problematic legally is because it's all true <laughs> so, like, so, so you kind of have to you know make sure that the people that sent the email back to you they're not identifiable and you know all yeah, that stuff yeah. like, because they could then sue for you know damage but sure, so surely if you're I guess there would be an issue if you said I don't know like HSBC sent you this email and you just made it up that would be a problem yeah because they they would just say they we would didn't just say we did, yeah because you could say anything like you could say oh HSBC said they kill kids or something and, yeah you know so you have to be very careful about all of that um when but did yeah, there's, the some, there's like it's 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 more editing than than like embell um, embellishing. Yeah. It's sort of uh, yeah. When when did the whole is it that cat's countdown um, letter was that when the whole thing started and that went really? Oh, the, um, the first, yeah, what that, was it, that the first thing, thing. It's weird that one because I didn't I didn't I signed up to that episode quite a, kind of reluctantly because I'd only done a bit of email stuff before. Yeah. And. Um, was kind of getting into it and really enjoying it because I loved when people replied and I think I'd like I'd done the one with the Sun newspaper where I tried to sell the story about Matt Baker kicking a pigeon and, yeah um, <laughs> like I'd done I'd done a few of those things and really like the, the thrill of getting a response because yeah. I'd sent maybe a dozen emails to different papers with this scoop and none of them had bitten and then the Sun came back and then you're of in a back and forth and it's like yeah. really exciting yeah um, uh, so I hadn't done loads and I'd done I think the Matt Baker one I'd done already on Cat's Countdown and then they said oh we'll have you back on the show and I said to my agent Hannah I was like I, I nothing's happened like, I haven't really got anything yeah and it was a couple of months before the actual record and she said you'll find something so like yeah just yeah get, like sign up to it but so then there was a two months of like panicking and like sending a lot of emails and following threads that I'd let kind of lie or whatever and then that and I didn't think it was that good because it was all so rushed I was like I don't think this this story's that good I haven't worked it out that much in stand-up I am told it properly and yeah and then Jimmy like winked at me after I'd done it and Susie said it's the best yet Jimmy winked at you yeah which you kind of you kind of know that means <laughs> you've done well like well done kid um, I've got to do that roast battle show mm. in a month and uh, the main thing I'm worried about is doing doing it in front of Jimmy Carr because he's so good at those roast battle things. Yeah, but he is also a really uh, supportive yeah. um, comic. Like yeah. he's, he, 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 he's, he looks and seems scarier than he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's really good with, uh, particularly on that format as well. Like, yeah. But he will also, but I, I think he doesn't roast roast the the comics on it that much, does he? Because he no. sort of lets them do that. Who are you roasting? Nigel Ung, no Nigel Chinese. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, it'd be good. My main ambition is to, you know, when someone does a joke and Jimmy really laughs at it. Yeah. That's my main That's, ambition. Yeah, yeah. Is to make him do that. Yeah. <laughs> There's some amazing the Phil Wang line that he did. Um, About the dog. Yeah. What a line. What, what, yeah, it was... Um, 
your girlfriend's such a dog that I ate her. I tried to eat her, yeah. I mean, that's just <laughs> so... It's so needlessly offensive to so many different... <laughs> it's really smart, isn't it? Yeah. He's so good, Phil Wang. I really like Phil Wang. Who are you, who are you up against? Uh... Nick Helm. Yeah. We kind of... We, we took it in a slightly different direction. Yeah. Um, you started kissing, right? Yeah, well, yeah. We basically just we prete- pretended that we were in a relationship and we were having an argument and then it ended with us. That like, was, that that was, was all sort of, sort of planned, was Yeah, it? that we loved each other. Um, and it was very interesting because the sort of people that that show attracts in some ways, the race battle thing, is yeah. like lads that like want to hear like offensive stuff about like killing babies and shit. Sure, yeah. And actually they were the sort of people that I was getting tweets being like, this is disgusting and they were actually being offended by it in a different way because it sort of tapped into some latent homophobia that they had (laughs) and that was really interesting because actually we didn't intend for that but I was watching it go out which is a very weird thing to watch yourself really passionately kiss somebody uh, particularly Nick Helm Um, but then looking at the tweets coming and lots of people being like this is amazing and and like weren't expecting it but then quite a few people being like I didn't tune in for this I kind of really (laughs) fucked off by it um, it was really interesting. The, yeah, How do you deal with those when you get tweets? Do you, I mean, do you read them? Do you read all the replies you get to things? Uh, yes and no. Like it depends. Yeah. Like because I was watching it go out live and it was a new format, I was so curious as to how yeah. people would take it. But I, I, I managed to maintain a kind of healthy distance from uh, the internet. The yeah, or like just people commenting on stuff I've, like, I've stopped searching my name on Google like eight years ago or something quite early on in my career because I realised that's a really dark hole you can get down and yeah. forums are not the place to discover where what people think of your um, yeah. output um, so you don't sort of read YouTube comments or any of that stuff no unless like I, I happen upon them but like I don't search them out yeah or if any like articles written about me I don't search the comments or whatever like it's not and I stopped reading reviews for a while because I didn't feel like they helped my didn't feel like uh, they were for me in lots of ways yeah. you know it's a review at it's um, at it's most simple is to tell people what to go and watch and what not to go and watch yeah and as the person making the thing and having to do it every night or whatever <laughs> I probably don't need to know whether it's something you should go and watch. Yeah, yeah. I think I feel like it would change as a thing too much. But I'm a bit less precious about it now. I think just because I feel a bit more confident, a bit more sort of stable in yeah. where I where I am. Do I you do you read reviews in Edinburgh? And that yeah, kind of? well, I did last year, but only because I found it really hard. Because they a lot of the time they would when they publish the reviews, they they tag you in the tweet or something. Yeah. And then you think, how could I not click on that? Yeah, yeah. I hate when they do that. As yeah. Well. Because it's sort of then they're making it personal, aren't but they? I think you're, but I think you're, because because I'm at the beginning of my career, it, you feel a, you feel a lot. I don't know if you felt like this, but you just feel a lot more insecure about it. Whereas yeah. for oh you now, God, yeah, yeah. You, you know that you're good now, so you don't need the validation of reviewers. And but for me, I still feel a bit like, oh, yeah, you want the, the yeah. I don't know. You'll never get it though. Like uh, you, you, you'll never, you'll never consistently get good feedback from yeah, everyone because everyone. Um, and you'll never get it from yourself really as well that's the that's the uh, that's the annoying thing to discover as you go through you're going oh I'll never get to a point where I go everything I'm doing is the best thing anyone's ever done yeah because it never is like you'll never you'll never do it 
but you will get better and you'll do you feel do you feel uh, it's a difficult question to answer but in terms of stand-up do you do you feel now like I'm good at this and I know what I'm doing to a degree I feel like um feel like, so at the minute I'm loving painting and it's be- one just because it's really relaxing but also because the because it's a new skill and it's something I'm learning quickly yeah and the the, the um, what do they call it it's a steep learning curve so you kind of you, you pick things up and you realize you're picking them up so you sort of observe yourself going like oh I've learned that I don't use this sort of brush stroke now yeah because the uh, last time I did a painting and did that it went wrong yeah and in early days of stand-up there was a lot of that where you go like oh if you say this isn't going very well, then that makes the audience think it's not going very well when maybe they didn't before. Yeah. So even if you think it's not going very well, never say it's not going very well. Yeah. And you can pull it back then. And you That's only learn true. That. I learned that relatively recently about not... You're right, the audi- some audiences don't know what, what's happening. You think it's going badly and they just think it's They just fine. think, yeah, because they've not got anything to measure it against and also they might just be enjoying it. Yeah. And the minute you say... Oh God, this is a bit awkward, isn't it? Yeah, then you're right. everyone goes, "Oh, yeah, I suppose so." But like they, they didn't think it before you said it. Often. Yeah, and you, and, and it's a, it's a hard reflex to get rid of because your instinct and is as a comic and is is a right the right instinct is to say the thing that everyone's thinking before they think it. Yeah, and if you have realised that you're dying, your instinct is to say, "Hey, I'm dying here." Yeah, but that won't help you get out of the death. No. So you have to sort of stop that instinct and, and find another route, basically. Yeah. But you learn lots of things like that really intensely in the first few years of stand-up, and you get... It's constantly fascinating, and you're doing new size rooms, and there's lots of new skill sets that you're learning. Mm. And I've been doing stand-up 10 years now, which is nowhere near long enough to be anywhere near what I want to be. Mm. But the learning curve has sort of got less steep so you're still learning all the time you, you never stop that but it's not as obvious that you're learning and uh, and so it becomes less of a new thing and it becomes more about the kind of it's the part of the painting and sculpture that I hate which is where you have to just like you've got the, the kind of almost the finished thing and you've just got to like yeah. tweak it in little bits for ages and that's the stage I'm at with stand up of like loads of tweaking yeah and it's not as exciting I suppose and it's not as new um so I know yeah so, so, so I don't I, I, I feel like I'm miles off where I could be as a stand-up and where stand-up can go yeah but um but there must totally, be like, like a million miles away from where, from where like the best stand-up being done at the minute is extraordinary and I'm nowhere near that um but the, the time it will take to get to that level now yeah. is becoming very clear and the, the level of my uh, sort of uh, how, how ineffective I am at, at some styles or whatever is becoming very clear. Yeah. And it's annoying because I've, you know, I've spent 10 years doing this fucking thing and I'd, I'd yeah. like to be really good at it in all ways. <laughs> and I found like my, I found my um, groove in some parts of it. But in other sense, but then like, I as think you say, like I couldn't do character stuff. I find doing TV hosting stuff quite difficult at this point. Like, there's lots of things that like I'm to- feel totally out of my depth with. Yeah, but then, I mean, I, on like a much smaller scale, 
So the, I did my first Edinburgh last year, and then this is my second year. And even in that time, I, I find the whole thing much less stressful. Yeah. Because last year, was just, I, I'd never done it. I had no idea what to expect. Yeah. And now it's a bit like, I kind of, I just feel a lot less nervous about yeah. it all. Well, you do also realise, the more you do it, how little any of it matters. <laughs> like, you go, oh, like, nobody really cares. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> which is quite freeing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, yeah, you will find... Well, you just find that it gets less stressful and then it gets more stressful because more responsibilities put on you. And yeah. Like, all, all sort of telly stuff kind of adds another layer of pressure because so many more people involved and there's yeah. so much more at stake I suppose but even then there's like you could totally fuck up a live TV broadcast and nobody's died it's, it's what, not what's your because we, we were saying we were walking over about free time and the fact that like this is a career where you do inevitably have quite a lot of downtime. yeah when well, you when you first kind of um, started as being professional as a stand up did you find that quite weird to adjust to because I, I when I was sort of 19 and it became my full time thing mm. I remember finding the, the amount of downtime quite I didn't really know how to handle it or yeah no I I did I just drank loads <laughs> but you kind of feel, that's what you end up doing but you feel like I should I should be doing something yeah there's a lot of feeling like should should be using this time but I now really long for those days because there isn't a lot of downtime at the minute yeah. because there's always meetings to be had or script writing to do like there's like just so much that comes with all of the telly stuff I'm doing mainly yeah um, that there aren't there are very, rarely days where I've just got not a lot on or where there's not a lot on before the gig it's like yeah. scraping uh, time to fit bits in all over the place yeah. and I really love a day where you just wake up and go what am I going to do today because yeah. I generally fill it with something edifying I, I, it's rare that I just completely waste a day. Yeah. Um, I'm not that sort of person. Why you sort I of just love a day then. where, like, yeah, I'll do a painting or I'll like, I'll sit and write some gags about nothing and put them in a box somewhere or you know, like, you will end up doing something. But yeah. I loved when I was, like, particularly when I was first starting out, I was trying to write quite a lot of the time, but most of the days I was just pissing around video games and like <laughs> drawing and doing like. It was all really fun, and, yeah. and it felt like if you did well at a gig, it was amazing because no one was expecting it. And if you died, then it doesn't matter because no one was nobody, expecting nobody, nobody knows who you are. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Whereas now it's like everything. The, the stakes are all much higher because they're like, oh, I've gone to see Joe Lycett. He's really funny. And mm. then if you're not really funny for whatever reason, they're like really disappointed. Do you have even on a tour like you're doing now? Do you do you have shows where you come off and feel like that wasn't didn't go very well? Yeah, well, you just feel like they're a bit limp or. Because yeah, I get, really I imagine that they game. they won't think that. Yeah, it's well, just that's all in it. your head, isn't it? It is, but also like it, w- one thing as well about the current stage of what I'm doing, like the tour shows are so lovely and they laugh so much that you go, I'm not that funny, <laughs> but they because they like you already. Yeah. They're ready to go. They're in. They're in. And most gigs that we do, you, half the people in the room might might connect with it or whatever. Yeah. But they 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 don't. Um, yeah. They don't know you before. 
But if you're playing to people who are so excited you're there. Yeah, then you, you've, you've already won, so you'd have to really be shit to you'd fuck it up. You'd have to be up. really bad to fuck it up. Um, so, and I do think that people, because people now think of me as a funny person, it's easier for me to be funny. Yeah. So, it's, like, it's, a, it's a cheat, really. I'm cheating. What what? Because you're very good at all the sort of. Um, I know this is such a dad question to ask, but Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. Do you do you think that that is a really important part of being a comedian now? Is all. <clears throat> Not necessarily. It's an important part for me because so much of my work is like online based anyway. Yeah. So, and I get a lot out of doing silly little trolling of people on social media and whatever. Yeah. Um, but I find it just a really good training ground for material. Yeah. And also, um, it just keeps it keeps you being active creatively. Yeah. Because, like, if I haven't posted something on social media for a couple of days, I go, like, oh, God, like, I need to think of something funny or do something funny. You know, like, sort of, you yeah, get a bit yeah. panicked that you've not done it. Um, <laughs> but I, I get a lot out of doing Instagram particularly I just find it really hilarious really fun yeah doing stupid stuff on Instagram and like doing sort of um, <laughs> silly rolling jokes the sort of stuff I that think I that like. I think Instagram is the most fun of all of them because yeah. peop- people take it so seriously when they yeah. it's just really fun to just sub- like post stupid stuff because everyone takes it so seriously Instagram well they, some people do and some people don't that's what's great about it is that you get a lot of really funny accounts yeah yeah uh, where people don't take it seriously and it's a joy to see like, like I love like Harry Hill's account it's brilliant um, yeah yeah it's quite a few people that do really smart stuff on on Instagram and get really rewarded for it like they get a lot of followers as a result um, and the engagement level is like really high on Instagram like if you post something um, funny generally people respond it and quickly and yeah. in big numbers yeah and it I, th- I just think it's really um it's it's really weird that really it's a, powerful really it's a it's a really like good way of judging stuff isn't it yeah because you um, admittedly it's on a much lower scale but you do instantly know if you posted something that people like that yeah. they like it yeah instantly yeah and then that can sometimes be i use a screen in my current show so Sometimes you can translate that into, oh, I should tell that story on stage because mm. they obviously like it on Instagram. or And then people who follow me on Instagram will come to the show and they'll see things that they've seen on Instagram explained in a different way or, you know... Yeah. I think it kind of all filters into yeah. like, the kind of world, really. Yeah. Um, some Someone... I think it might have been you, actually, a while ago, said that you rent an office. Mm. Do you still do that? Yeah. I, um, in Birmingham. In Birmingham, yeah. And to, to, to just like explain, so you go there like five? Do you go there like five days a week? No, or? no. I, like, I, I use it less to stand up these days because I do the stand up sort of. Oh, I did use it a lot for um, for the last show. Actually, I did sit in there quite a lot for the last show. Um, the idea originally. So when I was writing stand up about two years in, I found the best way to do it was to talk out loud because my stuff is so conversational and so yeah. um, natural, I suppose. It's not jokes. The joke's are kind of hidden. Um, and I lived with my mum and dad at the time and they would out, be out of work and so I'd just have the house to myself in the day and I'd just 
stand in the kitchen and chat shit and if I said a funny thing write it down carry on and um, so like, like a challenge mental person my, like a mental person yeah. but I obviously can't do that with anyone around yeah. then mum and dad started to retire mum re- retired first and um, yeah. I tried it where I walked around on the phone that's pretending hilarious. to be on the phone well, out in the public yeah just like walk around the park that's so funny. And then if I'd say something funny, take the phone away, jump down it. Like, <laughs> really weird. But that's I wrote you, that's some, some of my best standards doing it? it. But I did start to go a bit mad. Yeah. Um, so I thought I need to kind of formalise this process. And I'd heard of Gary Delaney getting an office before, and I thought, I'll just get a little space. And there's a place that I love in Birmingham, like an, an office that I've always thought was really cool and wanted to be there. So I got an office there, found quite cheap little space. And I've had it ever since, and it's, um, it's now full of paintings. Is it just a room? It's a room with a little balcony. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I, and I, I just go there, and if I've got like something I really need to focus on, I just go to the office and sit and do it. So what? So if you've got a day, like a day, like you said, you don't get money, but if you've got a day off, that's what you'll do. You'll go to the office. Uh, sometimes, yeah, I'll be in the office. Yeah. In the office. Yeah, it's quite it's quite fun because we're so no, you never get to say that, do you? I'm going yeah, to the yeah. office. I'm in the office, but it's not like now I'm on tour as well. I've got a bit of merch. I d- d- designed a brochure and um, yeah, I booked like bulk ordered those, and there's lots of them. So they <laughs> just sit in the, in the office. office and like you know, it's just a good space. There's a girl on reception um, that accepts loads of mail and stuff for me. So fan if I'm mail. away, like those I can fan mail. Well, no, it's more like if I get a parcel or whatever, I'll just send it to the office rather than having to schlep down to the post office or whatever to collect it. That's great. So there's, it's really, it's just a handy space. And is that, it. do you find, because sitting at home and trying to work is quite hard. To, do you find that when you're sitting in the office... Yeah, you... it formalises it, because there's, there's no real soft furnishings in my office, so I can't fall asleep in it. Yeah. Whereas at home, I could just go, oh, I'm going to get to bed now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do that, obviously. I, the, the last flat that I lived in... We didn't have a table. Right. We just had a sofa. We didn't have like a kitchen table. Yeah. So I so I used to sit on the sofa and write, but just sitting on a sofa, instantly you just feel tired and yeah. There's something about like sitting at a table with a hard chair that makes you horrible. Work. Yeah. It's like uh, any 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 like right now we're sat under a tree in lovely Primrose Hill. I could be asleep within the hour, like within <laughs> within ten minutes. Like I love just falling asleep yeah. so if I have to sit up stuff gets done I heard this story I don't know if this is true or not about Sean Locke about he when he when he's writing he puts a tie on and then when he <laughs> stopped writing he takes it off but the tie makes him feel like he's at work I mean that sort sounds like the sort of mad thing that he would do yeah <laughs> but it also sounds like the mad thing he would say he would do yeah I'm not sure um, um, I mean, do you, how do you, what's your process? My process? What's your process, darling? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there is one, to be honest. It's, I just... I yeah, don't know, I mean, I just, that's the thing. Like, it's, it's, it's just I, they all come in different ways, don't yeah, they? Yeah, I make it sound like I've worked it out and I go to the office and I, I haven't. The, the one thing that I have found is that there's no real substitute for just turning up and doing the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, the I, don't, only thing I don't think there's in, I don't think inspiration really exists. No. I think it's um, You're right. You're essentially 
an editor for your inner monologue. Yeah. And your inner monologue's going whether you like it or not, unless you're meditating. Um, <laughs> so you've just got to let the thing spill out and yeah. I, I, edit the thing. That's the only thing I think I've learned is that I don't really subscribe to the I'm not feeling creative today, I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. Because if you sit for five hours, you will get something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's very easy to be like, oh, I don't feel particularly creative today. I'm going to go yeah. and sit in the park. <laughs> but you can sit in an office and, and create stuff. But, you know, that you can't... If, if you want to take it seriously as a thing, you can't really be like, oh, I'm, it's not on, I'm not on today. Yeah. Because, it's like, well, there's a thousand people out there waiting for you to be on, so yeah. just go out and fucking do it. You know, yeah. It's like, <laughs> no... You don't really have a choice. No. Uh, ultimately. I always like those stories about people, like, particularly like musicians. Like Chris Martin's got an office and he'll, regardless of what he's doing, he'll go for eight hours and try and write songs in this. And sometimes he doesn't, but he, he makes himself do it every day. And I, I think that's like a really good... Yeah, you, you, you have to have that on, element yeah. of discipline, don't you? Yeah, Otherwise, you do. Yeah. I think, yeah, you do. Um, but then I, I, I can't remember who's telling me about this that you, you can only really anyone only really works four hours a day Yeah. And you might pretend that you're doing eight or whatever but like actual working useful time where your brain is engaged and doing things is you've got four hours yeah, a day yeah. and the rest of it <laughs> you can't um so there's there's ways of doing it which are quite um, economic, I suppose. But yeah, it's yeah, it's so hard, and I don't really know why any of us bother, because <laughs> there, there, there must have been a simpler life for us all, mustn't there? Yeah. What's it all for? Just to get on the telly. That is fun being on the telly. Yeah. It's great earning loads of money and being on the telly. That I've is got to fun. tell you, I love all that. <laughs> that is really nice. You get to wander around Whole Foods. You get to wander around Whole Foods and not really worry about the price of yeah. a bag of tea, which or tea bags. Tart which juice. Probably tart juice for could have been seventy quid. <laughs> um, thank you very much for doing this. Hey, my pleasure. Fun. I feel like I've been very um, uh, dense. Yeah, that's like, all right. It's because like, we're in a park, and you feel like you should be. Yeah, I've not been like I've, I've not been lol. I've been self-reflective. <laughs> this I hope is that's the real sort of, Joe Lycett. Yeah, you've got down to the real... It's more of a therapy session. It was. It felt very therapeutic, particularly because of this gorgeous setting as well. Just yeah. In a beautiful park on Maybe it was our ginger shots before. We had ginger sh- shots. I've just drunk a sparkling yoga bunny. It's great. I feel like I should do some yoga now. Do you yoga? No, will you teach me? No, because <laughs> you'll... Um, Rip something. Yeah, I'll end up killing you. Okay. <laughs> Will you teach me the downward dog? That's, that's the only one the, I know. That's a simple one, yeah. Okay. The one that I'm trying to learn is half moon. Okay. And that's where you like stick, you've got one leg on the ground, the other leg's in the air. And I don't really know why they call it half moon because you don't look at anything like a moon. Definitely like not like half a moon. Um, <laughs> All yoga positions sound like names for pubs, don't they? The, the downward half dog, moon, the half yeah. moon. Have you ever played the pub game when you're on the way to uh, often like a gig in um, in a little village or something? And if you've got a passenger or passengers with you, you play the leg game. 
you go around the car clockwise and each pub that you pass uh, if you're if it's your turn the amount of legs in the name of the pub is how many points you get legs yeah so if you go past like the um uh, the half moon there are no legs in the half moon okay zero points <laughs> if you go past uh, the Duke of Westminster the Duke will have two legs oh I you see what you points. mean right yeah yeah the hare and hounds that Eight. that is interesting because the hare and hounds is the you, you give them the fewest possible legs that could mean so there's one hare four legs and then hounds uh, the minimum for hounds to be grammatically correct is two hounds. Ah, see. So that is a 12-pointer, the hare and hounds. I've never heard of this game. And you go round and um, <laughs> and then when you get to the destination, whoever wins, yes. uh, you have to suck off. <laughs> That's as simple as that. That's, oh, even we'll if they don't that. have a penis, you have to suck them off. We'll play that on the way back now. <laughs> yeah. Great. <laughs> There we go, Joe Lysit. Um, what a guy. I love Joe. I love Joe so much. Um, as always, uh, thanks to everyone who helps make the podcast. Joel Grove, who produces it. Will Shahada, who edits it. And my manager, Rick Hughes, for help. Um, that's it. We'll be back in the autumn for Series 2. But, you know, don't forget, you can go back and listen to all the other guests. All I think 10, all 10 guests we've had. They're all online. They'll all stay online. Um, and we'll be back in uh, the autumn so thanks so much for listening and we'll see you in series two Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.